welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Hi, I'm Mike Sandlin, your host today, and I thank you for joining us. If you've heard me for any length of time talk or speak on this podcast, you know that one of the areas that I, I speak to a lot in is the need for men to understand their need to be involved in discipling relationships. One of my sayings is that men are often told, but we are rarely trained. We need men to catch the vision, the passion, to understand the call of God to disciple men beginning in our churches and in our, in, in our communities. The scripture that we often refer to is the Great Commission coming from Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus told us to go and make disciples. Well, in this program, we will talk to someone who is actively involved in the ministry to encourage Christians to become disciples and disciplers. My guest today is Mike Whitmer of Disciple One Ministries. Let me share just a little bit of his bio that he has on his website as we welcome him onto the program. Mike says he is not a man who that he has always been. Today, he is a servant of God, a husband, and a father. But before he gave his life fully to Christ, like so many other men, he was living life for himself. He is not a man who is going to talk about perfection or how to walk with God without pain because that's never been his experience. He has lain in the dark pits of de de depression, struggled with sin, and made mistakes that has led him away from God instead of closer to him. It was, wasn't until he was broken beyond his own potential redemption after his son nearly died in 2009 that he found himself desperate for God and was willing to do whatever it took to draw closer to him. Mike, thank you for being on the program. It's good to have you. Thanks for having me, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, it is super. Yeah, Mike and I met, so I don't know, what, three three years ago at an ISAC conference, something like that. And, uh, and it's been a pleasure to work with them at those conferences. And, and in fact, he and I will be uh, at three different conferences yeah. uh, this coming fall. Uh, September 11th, we'll be uh, in Monroe, North Carolina with the uh, uh, North Carolina State Baptist uh, Men's Ministry with the Uniting the Hearts of, of Men Conference. And then we got two Iron Sharpens Iron Conference in Richland, North Carolina on September 25th, and then Wilmington, North Carolina on October 2nd. Mike, it's great to be able to have you at both of the, at all of those conferences. I think the guys will really enjoy you, and, and I hope they will come and visit us and, and register for those conferences. Yeah, when you say it out loud, it sounds like you're a, a pretty busy guy, man. So uh, definitely <laughs> the work that goes in behind the scenes, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, well, you're a busy guy too. I know what you do. I know what you do in the kingdom. Well, Mike, I got two questions I like to ask all my guests when we begin to get to uh, these uh, interviews or these conversations. I should say, really, number one is um, what is a verse that uh, God may be speaking to you right now, or a life verse, or an anchor verse that you may have. Uh, in your ministry, and why is that verse so meaningful to you? Yeah, so I'm sure you get a lot of really good responses, and, and it really kind of ties back into the bio that you read. Uh, and for me, it's it's a life verse. Uh, it's John 10:10 10, 10, um, for a whole lot of different reasons, right? But everybody knows the beginning part of 10:10, 10, 10, right? Uh, the devil, you know, 
uh, like a roaring lion. But what they don't really ever pay attention to is the latter half of that verse. And I'm just going to read it here quickly. Uh, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And for me, it's that last portion, right? So the devil is always working. He's always trying to tear something down. He's always trying to put you on your knees and keep you down uh, so that you're inefficient and, and can't be used for, for God's work. Um, what really speaks to me is the, the latter half, like I said, because God doesn't want us just to um, have a mundane, non-meaningful life. Uh, he came to give us life and to give it to the full. So what, what that means for me is you can either choose to be beaten, broken, and choose not to get back up, or you can know that Christ came for you, uh, and he came that you would have a, a tremendous full life, right? Not just a, a meaningful, you know, lackadaisical, uh, bad life and accepted, because we all get kicked, we all get hurt, we all get put down, but... For me, it's a great reminder that, you know, God came to give me life to the full, and I intend uh, to live it to the full. So it's a, it's a good daily kind of reminder for me, Mike. Good. good. Well, what is your story? I mean, how, how did God capture your heart, and how did you, uh, how did you come to Christ? How did you come to the uh, full understanding and realization that you needed Christ in your life? So that's a tough one. Uh, and it's not tough, but it's, um, you know, it's a tough conversation for some. For me, I was born uh, back in was about 78. And when I came to Christ, I was a young guy uh, at a vacation Bible school in my, my uh, home church, if you will. I remember the room. I remember the day. I remember all about it. Uh, and it was a terrific event. But then as I got older, um, you know, I, just like most people probably started to slowly kind of step away, um, became an adolescent, became a teenager, and uh, things uh, didn't go very well. And so I ended up falling away from Christ in that relationship. And it really wasn't until, um, you know, even after I got married, it's, it's really ironic and funny that sometimes what God has to do to get your attention, Right. And I, always, I always say that I learn things the hard way. It takes about three times before it sticks. <laughs> um, so, you know, with that being said, I, I was a man, uh, the definition, right? Didn't need anybody, didn't need any help. Uh, battled uh, through depression through those years and kind of got used to uh, just being my own man and doing it myself and picking myself up by the bootstraps, right? And, and continuing on. But my life was kind of really bad. It was uh, in a really bad spot. And again, that speaks to John 10, 10, not just so that we can have a, you know, a, a bad life and exist. So many men just are looking forward to getting to tomorrow. Right. And instead of enjoying the moment, enjoying the day as Christ would like us to do. So uh, fast forward until uh, 2009. And it wasn't until uh, my son, uh, just one, one random day and you know, always like you read in Job, one day. And in one day, one moment, uh, your life will never be the same, right? Uh, I call it a stake in the ground moment. I got that from a buddy of mine. And it's good, bad, or indifferent from that moment. Your life is never going to be the same. Whether or not that's a positive, you know, example of having a kid, getting married, you know, whatever it is. And in that day, um, somebody actually picked up my son and shook him to death. Uh, luckily, she resuscitated him 
and he ended up uh, being fine in the long run, right? We're still dealing with a lot of um, trauma that was left over from the incident. But it was in that moment um, when I realized what had happened to him. Um, you know, without going into too much detail, I really kind of lost it, uh, as, as most would imagine. And I was uh, bent on enacting the same kind of pain uh, on her family as she did to my family. You know, and I thank God that um, God was riding shotgun with me that day and just literally wouldn't allow me to leave my truck as I was sitting out in front of her house, right? So in that moment, God allowed me to see 15 years into the future, whether or not I went into her house or whether or not I didn't. And uh, in that moment, I mean, I just broke, right? So uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to being fine, even though you're not fine, right? But then all of a sudden, you're just beyond broken. And God used that opportunity in me to show me that I was not enough. I couldn't do it alone. Uh, I still needed him. And so in that moment, Mike, just sitting there in my truck, uh, you know, it all kind of came crashing down together. I left there and went uh, to three separate churches until I found one that was open, uh, looking for somebody to pray with me in that moment because I knew I needed God and I knew I needed help. And uh, just what's really important about that story for me is, you know, all it takes is for us to seek him uh, and he will find us and he will help. Right. But we have to um, break down ourselves and get out of the way and sometimes let God do the work. Oh yeah. 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 I know. I understand that. It's, it's, I just can't imagine how one would feel uh, understanding their child has been um, damaged in some way or, 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 or in what you may have been going through. I've not had that experience of course. And uh, I know what happens when my own life gets damaged, but uh, not when one of my loved ones does. And, I, and that's can be pretty traumatic and, be thanking God that he was there with you as you walked through this process. It's good. Well, I know through all of this, God spoke to your life in many ways. And and eventually you began this ministry called Disciple One Ministries. And uh, and of course, if people go onto the website of Disciple One Ministries, they can see all the the, the, the what, why, and, and so forth of the ministry. But I want you to explain to us a little bit how God, you know, all of us are in men's ministries or in, in any kind of ministry, really, but in particular ministering to men, he captures us somehow and helps us to understand the importance of pouring in one man, pouring into another man's life. And uh, and so I, I'd like for you to explain to our listening audience a little bit about Disciple One Ministries. How did that come about? How did God pull you <laughs> to, to begin this ministry? And what is this ministry all about? It's really funny. Uh, you know, just like most things, it's definitely a God story, right? Um, I, like most other guys, um, did not really want to go to a men's group. Uh, and that's really where it started. But I was doing what most men do, and I was checking the box, right? The wife said, you need to get into a group. I said, okay, I'll go, honey. And so I would just go and sit there. Hardly ever spoke up. And when I did, it was so cryptic that nobody could understand what I was saying because again, like most, you know, people, when you get hurt um, and what it ended up happening is through this, you know, traumatic experience that my wife and family went through every time that I would open up to somebody, especially another man, uh, I seemed to get um, 
shunned, you know, uh, the guy ended up would just walk away, right? Rather than say, come come beside me and say, all right, man, what can we do to get through this together? Or, you know, bury your heart and let's get through this. And, you know, it dawned on me years later, it's because I was opening up and talking to the wrong men, right? The men that I was opening up and talking to did not have a relationship with Christ. They weren't godly men. And so, yeah, they did what the world did, uh, turned around and walked away. So it, it, I learned through that, that I should keep my mouth shut and not open up because it ends up driving people away. Right. So I sat in a men's group for years, uh, same group, same guys, uh, never grew an ounce, right? Uh, and it was all because I wasn't participating. I wasn't opening up. And finally, one guy, um, one night came up to me. He's like, he's like, man, I don't know what's going on. He's like, but uh, how about we get a cup of coffee? I said, sure, you know, whatever, okay, check the box again. Yeah, what uh, you got to lose, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, so, um, but it was really amazing. And you said something in your opening that uh, I couldn't agree with more. And this guy, literally, we met for six months, just got coffee. Um, he never once browbeat me with a Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he never once um, preached at me. Right. He preached to me, uh, but not in the quote unquote preaching terms. Right. He did. Well, let me by- ask. Let me ask you this. As you go through. I, sorry to interrupt you. No. Was he kind of showing his vulnerability a little bit as he spoke to you? Showed, showed that he was he was just as vulnerable as anybody else in, in this life. It was one of the most uh, eye opening things for me in the very beginning. He kind of looked at me and said, you know, look, I know that you're going through a lot. Um, I have not gone through anything like what you are going through. He said, but, uh, you know, I've got issues myself. And if you wouldn't mind, I would love to talk to you about them. Mm -hmm. And so right out of the gate, not even, you know, and this was his first time doing this, come to find out. Uh, But right out of the gate, unknowingly, he kind of set the stage to where if you want to work with men, uh, especially men that are going through really bad things, you need to be vulnerable. You need to open up right away and allow them uh, to trust you, right? And to trust that you're not going to repeat uh, what what they say to you, um, because that's that's the easiest way, in my opinion, to kill a relationship. Absolutely. Tell somebody something and then find out that now everybody else knows about it. Really to the purpose. So through this process, we were meeting for about six months, and uh, all those walls uh, that I had built up uh, around my heart. Uh, defensive mechanisms. And, you know, I just started to open up little by little. And what I realized is that uh, he wasn't running away. Right. So the more I would open up a little bit, you know, he would dig in and just, you know, be there with me. Right. And again, we have a tendency to try and want to fix people. Um, And this guy was great because he didn't try to fix me. He just allowed me to be me broken, um, you know, heart sick and just wrecked. Right. And he, but he didn't try to fix me in, in one meeting. Uh, it was a six to eight month long process to where uh, it really just showed me the importance of one. Right. And then when I go back to the Bible and I read about, you know, uh, the parable of, you know, the lost sheep, right. And what Christ will do for the one guy. And so it really kind of stuck with me, Mike, that, you know, disciple one, even if guys can do nothing else other than disciple one guy, you have no idea 
what that impact will be and what work he will continue to do, right? Um, and it's it's just absolutely amazing. So that's kind of where the story of Disciple One came from is because I was discipled one-on-one um, and it made a profound uh, impact on my life. It was another stake in the ground moment. Uh, and I wanted to repeat the favor. And I told people that, um, you know, God did some amazing things uh, through my story and for my son. Um, you know, we at one point, Mike, we had a website up for him called Noah's Road. We had over 160 countries um, praying for our son. Um, wow. I mean, just the amount of love, I'm sitting here getting goosebumps thinking about it, but uh, the amount of love and support and prayer uh, that we were receiving on a daily basis was just un, unfounded. And uh, so I always tell people that, you know, I'm, I'm going back to work for uh, my boss uh, to repay some of what he did for me. Well, that's, that's super. You know, and I, and I like a comment that you made that uh, the man that taps you on the shoulder, and that's a phrase I like to use a lot of times. It's encouraging men. You know, sometimes we just need to tap another guy on the shoulder and ask him, you know, to go get a cup of coffee or I'm not a coffee trucker, but I'll be glad to go to a coffee shop. In fact, I meet, I meet a couple of guys at coffee shops in particular, but they have other things you can drink there. But anyway, t- t- tap a guy on the shoulder and, and uh, invite him to join you for uh, lunch, breakfast, cup of coffee, whatever the case may be. And just, just begin to pour your life into them and let him pour his life back into you and not fix them. Not yep. try to fix a guy, but just be a listening ear and an encourager and 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 a prayer partner with them as they walk through life. And then they just talk about scriptures and how uh, how God can can use us uh, through these particular situations. And that is so important. I think we get in that so many. I know of one instance where a guy did messed up and, and this one guy, every time he saw him, he was quoting scriptures at him. He was quoting scriptures at him every time. And every time he did it, the guy, like what you would say, he'd run the other way. He'd take off the other way. He wouldn't listen. So it is very important that we just we just be vulnerable and be let them know that we're not perfect either. We have our troubles and we're there for them. That 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 that, that is that is super. Let me go ahead. One other comment on that, real quick, because it, it took me a long time to get that, and I really want to make sure that uh, anybody who's listening understands that that no, no one can fix somebody else, but we can take them to the one that can fix them. Absolutely. And so that I got so upset for so long because I I felt like I had to do something and I had to work harder. Or I had, and finally you realize that you don't have to do anything other than show up and and be an encourager, right? And right. Just to advocate a little bit, you know, I used to think that I would have to go, you know, down to um, the inner city or to some place to find somebody who, you know, I, I felt was need or in need of help, right? That was hurting, that had something going on in their life that, you know, that I could benefit um, in some way to them, right? Mm-hmm. And God really showed me, He's like, all you got to do is look left at church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is broken men and sitting right next to you sometimes in that church pew. Uh, and to your point, if you just tap them on the shoulder and say, let's get a cup of coffee or something like that, you, you have no idea the impact that uh, God can make through you. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the things I know in uh, me uh, 15 years ago, uh, God impressed upon me was the fact that there, we have so many men in our churches who are just going through the motions. Uh, they're there just because you were talking about earlier checking the box. 
they're just checking the box out. You know, I'm supposed to be in church on Sunday mornings. You know, they're keeping peace in the family or trying to be an example to the kids or um, maybe even from a community standpoint because they're, they're, they've got a business or, or something and they were trying to show some kind of, a, of a community involvement by being in the church. And yet they don't have that true intentional relationship with Jesus Christ that they need to have. And they need guys like you who will go out there and tap them on the shoulder. And we need we need more more men in our churches who recognizes that and we do that. I have, I have said uh, often myself uh, that we have much work to do outside the church, but we have just as much work to do within the church also when it comes mm-hmm. to discipling men for Christ. Well, Mike, I talked about us being together at the uh, conferences here in a few a few weeks, or actually, well, yeah, it's, we're less than one month from one of the conferences that we're going to be at, and um, and and you're going to be there leading a breakout session. Uh, I, I, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot a little bit. You want to share a little bit about what that breakout session is going to be about? Uh, yeah, there's there is actually a couple. Um, I don't know if the one I made a, a request to have it changed. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that went through or not, but um, I'll talk about both of them. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll hit both of them. But uh, one is uh, regarding friendships and uh, who's at the center of your friendships, right? Um, I used to never put too much credit or um, value in that statement. And I'll never forget a assistant principal at my high school. He said, uh, Mike, you might not like it, but if you wallow around with pigs, do you know what you're going to smell like? Mm. And of course, talking about my friends, and I'm like, no, I can have whatever friend I want, and I can still be me. Um, mm. Well, you know, obviously he knew a thing or two, um, and I still had that to learn. But uh, who you surround yourself with has a lot to do with your trajectory. Um if you want to be uh, a better man, uh, a more godly man, a better father, a better husband, you know who you got to surround yourself with? Godly men, right? That yep. are great fathers, that are great husbands. Yep. Uh, not your buddy uh, who does nothing but, you know, talk bad or down to his wife and uh, yell at his kids constantly. Now, granted, we all got to yell at our kids every now and then, but you know what I'm saying. So you got to you got to surround yourself with uh, the kind of men that um, that are going to build you up and not tear you down. Um, so that's the one about friendship and and who and what's at the center of yours. Um, the other one that I'll be doing is scars, um, not scars but stories, and it's really to to boil it down. It's about taking the most painful parts of your past. And allowing God to give it a purpose, um, which was very difficult for me to do or to see value in. But God doesn't allow us to go through things to, to keep it to yourself. Uh, you have no idea. Somebody else that you might have known for 10 or 15 years, a good buddy, could be struggling with something that you've already come through. And so in, in that breakout, we're going to be talking about how to take the pain, take the hurt of your past, uh, and bring it out and let God use it uh, and give it purpose, right? Because somebody that you know could be heading into that storm that you've already walked out of, and uh, God could use you to help guide that person through that storm. Uh, and that's Absolutely. what we're going to be talking about. 
Absolutely. I appreciate you sharing that. I threw up there for a viewing audience, the ones that's watching this video, uh, you can see the Igniting the Hearts of Men's Conference, which is uh, North Carolina Baptist Home Mission. Uh, .org is where you can find information on that. And then, of course, the Iron Sharpens Iron National Men's Equipping Conferences. That's going to be September 25th at Richmond, North Carolina, and October 2nd in Wellington, North Carolina. And we are really looking forward to that. One of the things that uh, I, I really want us to, to talk about is how can we get men to understand the importance of being in a discipling relationship. I know it's. I know it takes God and the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. But what we, what can we do to help men in our churches to to understand that importance? You know, that's. I grew up in church. I was in. I've been church all my life. But once again, it wasn't until I was in my early fifties before I fully understood the importance of having that man in my life. What do, what, do, what do you think we need to do differently to help men to, be, to start that relationship earlier in their lives? Um, one of the things that I've always thought about, I just wish I would have understood the importance, right? Uh, and I think by getting men to see that, and, and I go back to obviously the Great Commission, um, and I've got it up here because there's some stats out there uh, that I use, right? In this, this, in anybody can feel free to look this up. But as of 2018, these are the stats that I pulled out and I put them in my Bible. 51% of churchgoers don't know about the Great Commission or the term. 17% know what it knows what it means. Um, one, I think we've got to be more vocal about it, right? Uh, it is a commission that Christ put on all of us. Uh, it's not a recommendation. It's not a, you might want to think about it. Uh, and when we start thinking about it in that term, right, in that difference of mindset, there's an urgency to it. Uh, there's a requirement to do it. Um, and I think that if we, if we reset that expectation of, hey, if you're a Christ follower, guess what? You're in ministry. You're oh, called, absolutely. You're called absolutely. to be doing this already. And so I think by hitting that button, uh, it wakes guys up, wakes people up to say, man, I'm, I'm not doing what Christ has called me to do. I should really get on it. Um, because everybody knows, I, I think, the first part of the Great Commission. But um, what I like about the end of it is, you know, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. A lot of people forget that part, right? And how do you do that? You do it by reading the word of God. You do it by getting into your Bible. Um, I can't tell you how convicting it is and, and freeing for me anyway, by reading the Bible on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. uh, I find that by doing that, um, it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me engaged. God continuously uses it to speak to me. Uh, and when I don't read my Bible on a consistent basis, guess what? It, it, it's painful, right? Uh, it hurts. So I think to answer your question in a long-winded way, Mike, um, I think by calling out that when you accept Christ and you're a Christ follower, welcome to the ministry. It's time to get moving, right? Yeah. It is true, you know, and one of the things that uh, when you're talking about 
getting into your word, when you look at John 15, which is where the story of the vine and the branch, you know, Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. You know, it's like I was talking to someone one time here recently that we're those branches. And if you take like a cucumber vine, take a cucumber vine, so to speak, and, and you got the vine that's providing energy and those blossoms blow up, which, which could be someone who's coming to Christ. He's on that branch and it turns into a cucumber and it keeps growing. But what happens if you cut that branch that that cucumber's on and just leave it laying there? What happens to it? It begins to wither up and it begins to die. And that's what happens to us if we don't stay connected with the word. We don't stay connected with the vine. And, and it's so important for us to be in the word and have that have that daily time in the word and have that uh, committed time of, uh, of prayer time, consistent prayer time with the Father. Because if we don't, you're going to be like that cucumber that got cut away from the vine. And if it's left alone, it's just going to eventually dry up, wither up, and it's going to become ugly in its looks and, 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 and will die spiritually and that's what will happen to us also so it's so important you're right to, to be in that work and and the other aspect i think we have to deal with uh men need to understand or we need to understand as leaders that men are often told what they're to do but they're rarely trained how to do it yes you know and 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 that's kind of what you're leading into is with Disciple One Ministries is helping guys to understand. It's important for us to help other men to develop those skill sets to be in the Word of God. So what does Disciple One Ministries actually do to help other men? I know when I look on your website, you see there's a sign-up, there's a mission, there's resources that, they, that guys can tap into. Tell us a little bit more about that. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, of structure. Uh, one of the things that we really try to do, uh, and it, it works very well, is to make discipling easy. Uh, I happen to run across a guy that I think has done a tremendous amount uh, for the kingdom regarding discipleship. Uh, he is a, a pastor uh, out of uh, Tennessee, and his name is Robbie Gallaty. Uh, he writes some amazing books. Oh, yeah. Uh, went to uh, an amazing discipleship seminar that he put on. Uh, and and they, I think they called it a discipleship blueprint. And it really, they just put structure around the process, right? To demystify it, uh, to put some actual, what I call deliverables on the table, right? So if you ask, and I, I love doing this, right? So when you ask eight random guys what discipleship means, you're probably going to get eight different answers, right? Um, and it's because we don't spend time training guys. We don't spend time learning what the process should be. Um, and it's really pretty easy and simple. If you just look at, I call it the Jesus method, right? Look at the way Christ discipled, you know, his apostles. Uh, you know, you can look at the three, you can look at the 12. Uh, and that's where a lot of, especially with Robbie, he always says three to five guys, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I like that. Uh, I found one of the most interesting groups that I ever did was a, a group of about uh, 15 guys, all different backgrounds. I think there was five different churches represented. Uh, I think three different religions represented. Um, and what it's, it's really not rocket science. You, you read the Bible on a daily basis. You journal about what God speaks to you. Uh, and then you get back around the table for an hour a week and discuss, you know, what God put on your heart. Uh, and 
it's amazing to me to see the the output of that. The output being convicted, being closer to Christ, um, and then also wanting to continue the process. Right. So I always love to tell guys, and, and my recipe, if you will, uh, is we definitely keep it at a year. Uh, I'll stay in a group for a year uh, at the max, and then we split. And I'm very intentional from the day one, when we split in 12 months, you need to go find three to five other guys and you need to rinse and repeat. Um, don't let it die with you, right? Uh, so one of the things that I think we at Disciple One really kind of strive for is A, demystifying the process, making it realistic, uh, defining goals, setting up uh, what the output should be. And then also challenging guys from, from day one, like I said, the expectation is that you're going you're gonna to do this yourself in, in six to 12 months uh, and have them start praying for those guys now, right? So throughout the process, you know, have them be praying, God put somebody on my heart that I can go talk to uh, that might need this. And if for nothing else, it's, it's amazing what happens when a man just reads the Bible in a year. Uh, one of my favorite stories is um, uh, a woman who used to be an LBGT activist um, set out to disprove that God was a loving God. Well, how did she do it? She read the Bible seven times cover to cover. Well, guess what happened? She's now married to a man. She now has two kids. And when she set out to disprove God and his love, God got a hold of her. And how did he do that? He did that by, you know, uh, using the word of God to speak to her directly. And that's just an example, right? But it's amazing to me what happens when you just simply get into the word of God. Oh, it is. It is purely amazing what God will do to you if you just read it. And uh, and you said it off. I've heard stories like that over and over and over. And, and I like the fact that you tell men when you begin to meet with them that your expectation of them is at some point that they would go out and find three or four guys themselves and begin to uh, speak into their lives also. I do the same thing when I meet with guys. I, I tell them probably within the first in the first day uh, that we're meeting that that is my expectation for them to do that. And, uh, and that's what God's expectation is for us to do. Yeah, too. It's not just an expectation that Mike Sandlin lays on them or Mike Whitmarsh lays on them. It's an expectation that we are taken from the Bible because that's what Jesus expects us to do. So that's great. Well, Mike, we're coming up on our time here, we, and uh, we've had some good conversations. You and I can we could talk for a while, but but I want to give you a moment to just share a final message, a one minute, so to speak, message of what you think uh, as men. Um, What's God laying on your heart as far as men are concerned right now? And what do we need to do as men's leaders? Because this is a program really about men's leaders. But what can we do as men's leaders to to begin to make a difference in our churches uh, in, in the lives of men? Well, I appreciate that. Uh, one of the things that, that God's really put on my heart right now is, you know, we should always have a Paul in our life and we should always have a Timothy in our life. Somebody that's pouring into you and somebody that you're pouring into, um, you know, and I thank God for my spiritual mentor, who's my Paul. Um, and, you know, it, it that's really served me well. Uh, the other thing that sometimes 
can can do you injustice is we get wrapped up in the numbers, right? We get wrapped up around how many men showed up or, you know, what's the number of guys in the men's ministry and, you know, what are we all about the things. And one of my favorite pastors uh, did a sermon on this one time and, you know, he constantly got asked, well, what are your numbers, right? How, what are you running on a Sunday? How many baptisms have you done this year? And it's all about the numbers, right? And he stopped finally one day. He said, you know, I'll answer you if you answer me this question. And he said, okay, what's the question? How many men have you poured your life into this year? And it really flips the script. And if we could grasp that, numbers, in my opinion, numbers sometimes get in the way of doing God's work. And if anything, we should be focused on pouring our life and what God has taught us into somebody else. Uh, and again, that goes back to, you know, you should share what God has laid on your heart and what you've been through uh, because you never know who needs to hear it. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a focus and it's refocusing on not necessarily the numbers, Mike, but the one and the individual and whoever that is that God puts in front of you. Amen. And I appreciate you sharing that. I couldn't help but thank uh, uh, going back to the verse that uh, the Great Commission uh, verse that you quoted earlier from uh, Matthew 28, 20, which talks about go and therefore and make disciples. Uh, and, and one of the things I wrote in my journal, just having to pull it up when you when you uh, uh, mentioned that earlier. One of the things I wrote in my journal for for that particular verse at one time is uh, we always talk about uh, making disciples. But I have to say that. So far, many churches are more concerned about making converts than they are about making disciples. And, and there's a difference there. There's a difference there. And that's exactly what you were just talking about. We're talking about the numbers. How many people have you baptized? How many people have joined your church? Uh, and so forth and so forth. But, but then again, we don't go into that process of discipling, which goes back to my often told rarely trained. You know, and uh, and we need to do that. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that word. I appreciate that op that op uh, uh, that observation that you share that we need to do. And guys, I I, I want to ask you if you're interested in knowing more about Mike, you can go to discipleoneministries.com. That's his website, and uh, for Disciple One Ministries, and you can find out uh, more about them, what they have to offer you, and how you can reach out to Mike too when you go and look about who we are and short. And uh, and there's some great guys, and and um, it's uh, it's it's a, a terrific opportunity for you to be able to partner with them, and then they'll be able to share with them what is going on in ministry. I appreciate that. Uh, if you would like to uh, know more about uh, Cape Fear Men, who is the uh, producer for this broadcast, uh, you can go to CapeFearMen.net and you can find out more about that. And I would encourage you that you would go on there that you would check out my new book. Uh, the Call, A Journey into Men's Ministry, especially for those of you who are men's leaders that will help you to understand a, a lot about what it means to be a leader in men's ministry. If you want to reach out to me, you can do that by going to mike.salen at kfearmen.net. I would be glad to reach out to you. If you would like for me to come and speak to your men at some point, just, just drop me an email and we'll arrange something and we'll do something we can at some point with you. And I hope you will check out uh, the conferences that Mike and I will be at this coming uh, uh, fall, the Igniting the Hearts of Men Conference, to go to baptismalmission.org to find out more about that, or the Iron Sharp and Iron Conferences, and you can go, you can find out more about those at 
capefearmen.net or the ironsharpensiron.net. I gave you a lot of information. I hope you can process it in and be able to do that. Mike, once again, I appreciate you being on the call with us and uh, being able to share a little bit about the importance of men pouring their lives into other men. Potential conversations, you're welcome. Potential conversations with Mike Sandlin is a ministry of Cape Fear Men. And as we close out this, I want to be able to share with you what one of my mentors used to say to me all the time at the end of the day when we were we've had our prayer time. He would say, I pray that the God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you by. God bless you, and we'll see you next time on Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin.